I'm convinced that one of the greatest and most important lessons in all the Bible is for us to learn to trust God. Learn to trust Him. Amen. And so we've been talking about that now for some time. We're going to continue uh, to do that as we move forward. In that message, we said we tend to focus more on the benefits of living for God and less on the process of walking with God. And it's in the walking with Him that we learn things that we can't learn any other way. And as we look at all the different aspects of what it means to trust God, we said that trusting God means committing to his process. As a matter of fact, this word commitment uh, is synonymous with the word trust in Scripture, both in the Hebrew and the Greek. So trusting God means committing to his process. And so there are a lot of people who would profess a trust in God. They would um, even, you know, quote unquote, bet you their bottom dollar that they trust God but they're trying to do it without trusting the process, and, and it'll never work. You can't, you can't trust God but not trust His process. So trusting God means committing to or trusting in His process, and this, of course, is, is what He desires for you. Now, we've built on that, and I know I'm doing some review uh, this morning on purpose, that the cross is important as what Jesus did on the cross is for us, that it's time for God's people to move beyond the cross. Um, Brother Donald said something to me last uh, Sunday morning after service. He said, you know, he said, the Lord spoke to me, some spoke to him some time ago. He said, you know, I only spend a few hours on that cross and I don't intend for you guys to spend... <laughs> rest of your lives at the foot of that cross that's not to diminish the importance of the cross but the the cross is a qualifying experience the cross is is where we enter into the kingdom the 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 cross is where we're made new creatures and and the cross is what qualifies us for the life that father then wants us to 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 live and to experience and to enjoy and so we talked about those things over um, the last couple of weeks. Now, <clears throat> in um, the year 2000, uh, the Lord uh, blessed Pam and I. We, um, it was a big year for us, not just because of the new millennium, but in, uh, in 2000, we uh, sold the cabinet business and um, in the 2000, we moved in uh, to this facility here. And um, so we sold the business. Obviously, we had um, uh, extra cash. And so I had worked a lot of hours pastoring and doing the cabinet business. And, and so we took uh, the kids to Disney World. Um, <clears throat> Bethany was, I think, around eight and John Mark around six. And so that was a good age uh, for, for that trip. And, and if you've never been, and I know just by mentioning Disney World from the pulpit, you get some people maybe a little ruffled because of, um, you know, some of their political stance, stands or, or, or social stands or whatever. So don't judge me. Amen. Remember Wednesday night. Okay, don't judge me. But anyway, so we went to Disney World. And, and if, you, if, you've, if you've ever been or if you've ever seen anything about it on television, I mean, the entrance to that 
um, you know, Magic Kingdom, it's, it's, it's magical. It's, it's amazing. Um, I, I like, uh, you know, uh, taking care of my, my lawn and my shrubs. And, and, you know, we plant a lot of flowers at our house. And, and so it's just, it's, it's that kind of stuff on a scale that, that you've never seen. Um, but when I woke up this morning, one of the first thoughts, and I believe it was a God thought, one of the first thoughts that the, that the Lord dropped into my heart was this. He said, imagine um, you know, going through the gate there at Disney World and just most of the crowd still right there by the gate because they thought that the whole thing was just about getting in. But that's how it is in the kingdom. You've got, and I'm going to be bold with this statement, but I really believe this is what the Lord said. He said, most of my children are still at the gate thinking that it's only about getting in. When there's so much that he has now because we're in that's available to us. And then he showed me this. He says, and so it's, it's a problem that keeps compounding on itself he said, because when new people come in, they see everybody standing by the gate and, and they, the people that are already in tell the new people coming in that that's what it's all about. It's just, it's just getting in and, and then kind of waiting it out until we see what you know, happens when we die or when, you know, when Jesus comes back or, or what have you. And so <clears throat> I've said that by the Holy Spirit for weeks now. It's just a different way of saying it. In Deuteronomy, we'll look at the verse in a moment, but in Deuteronomy, the Bible clearly says that God brought His people out of slavery in Egypt so that He could bring them into the land that He swore to His fathers, to their fathers. In other words, He's wanting to to bring them into actually possessing what He gave to them when he gave it to Abraham. Now, there are a lot of folks who don't understand this part of the gospel, and so maybe you already do, but for the help of those and the sake of those that don't, let, let's make sure we understand that the Bible is not about what God's going to give you. It's about what he's already given to you. And we see this spelled out for us uh, by example in the Old Testament when, when it was what God gave to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants. But we see it's one thing for God to give it to them, but it was another thing for them to inherit it. Now, the word inherit or inheritance is a very important Bible word, both in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. And what we see now, because of this qualifying experience of salvation at the, at the cross of Jesus, at the tomb of Jesus for that matter, because our salvation is not just about Him dying for us, but we died with Him, crucified with Him. Amen, Galatians 2. And then we were raised up together with him to newness of life. 
Ephesians 2, Romans 6. But we, we don't want to, you know, we want to move beyond the cross, but not just beyond the cross to the tomb. We want to we move beyond the tomb because, because Jesus coming out of that tomb and you and I coming out of our spiritual death, again, it's a qualifying experience that now prepares us to live. But again, so many of God's people are just hanging around the front gate instead of moving on into what, what God has for us. You know, when you think about when this nation, the United States of America, was, was, was being developed, and um, I don't know if you ever watch it on the Smithsonian Channel. Um, it's called Aerial, Aerial, A-E-R-I-A-L, I'm saying that right, Aerial America. And... Um, <clears throat> They basically, from planes and helicopters, they, they give you a tour of this country one state at a time, and, it, and, it's, and it's fascinating, and, and you, they inc- include the history, and so if you enjoy that kind of thing, I, I do, amen. Um, and we're talking about in, uh, in Texas and how, how uh, Texas became uh, a, a state, and then, of course, the Alamo, and when some of those heroes died at the Alamo and what was up behind all that. But, but the thing is, you know, when this country first developed, it was all up, up and down the eastern seaboard, you know. And um, it, it took some brave people, because that's where we entered, if you will, uh, th- this new land. Um, but it took some brave men to say, you know what, I, I want to know what's on the other side of that mountain. I want I want to know just how big this country is. I want, to, I want to see what's out there. And, of course, they were rewarded with, you know, first uh, uh, Anglos, you know, to see um, uh, um, the, the, the Grand Canyon and, the, and all these amazing things that, that are in our, in our country. And, and I was just watching that the other day, and it, it, it's, it just kind of, again, stirred this whole thing back up in me that, that we're lingering around the point of entering the kingdom when there is a kingdom more vast available to us now than than the United States of America to those early uh, settlers ever uh, could have been. And, And the same, listen to me now, the same spirit that drove them to, uh, you know, go west, young man, um, to go and, and, um, if you understand the history, and I'm not here to teach history class, but if you understand the history, in those days, Texas belonged to Mexico. And Mexico was trying to get people to come in there and settle it. And so they told folks, look, if you come in here, we, you know, they give them vast uh, tracts of land. Um, but they had to swear their allegiance to Mexico. And, um, and so <laughs> those folks come in there and take that land, but they had trouble, you know, down the road, you know, being uh, allegiant to uh, uh, to Mexico, but the point I'm trying to make is is our God is a conquering spirit. You know, he he created Adam and Eve, put them in the Garden of Eden, and said, "Now go fill up this whole world with what with what I've given you here." The whole earth didn't look like the Garden of Eden uh, when when God created that garden. Um, he created that garden spot, and then He empowered them. And instill within in them a blessing to to fill up the earth and 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 of course we know they fell short of that. But then Jesus says to the disciples and to us, 
right, before he ascends back to the throne of the universe. Now you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Notice he's, he's still telling us to, to advance. He's still telling us to go. He's still telling us to... And so the, the same drive that was in those men and women to, to move out into the, the, the prairie lands and, and go all the way to the Pacific seaboard, um, that was, is put in us by God. Um, to, to, to grow and to, and to advance. Jesse Duplantis said something one time, and, and, and you know, some of the best words from God are, are ones that, that you just have to kind of go, mm, I don't know, you know, and you, you chew on it and meditate on it and ponder on it. But he said that a lot of times we see something, let's use it, maybe it's a, a, a nicer, newer car, or maybe you see like a, a, a nicer home or, or you know bigger home or what have you and you see that and something in you would like to have a car like that not I'm talking about I'm not talking about coveting what somebody else is okay but you're like man I'd like to live in a place like that or I would like to you know he said so many times we we let the devil convince us that that's greed or covetousness he said when a lot of times it's faith in us wanting to go lay hold of that thing and, and, and receive that into our lives. Does that, man, when he said that, I thought, never thought of it that way, but there's, there's something about that. You know, you, 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 you see somebody have a nice boat, and you're like, man, I, I never even thought about it, but I believe I'd like to have a boat, you know? And, and the, if you're not careful, the devil will jump on you, and he'll go, oh, you're just being greedy, you're just being coveted, you just can't be happy. You know? and, and, and sometimes, listen, that's certainly a part of, you know, our human condition, so to speak. But also, there's this part of us that, remember, the call of God on your life is an upward call. Um, God's called us to, uh, to abundant living, and that's not just in things we possess. Come on now, we know better than that. Um, but even when it comes to money, money's a tool. That's all money is. Money's not the root of all evil. The love of it is, right? And, and part of the reason why we would like to increase financially is because that would enable us uh, to do more. Maybe you're in this room this morning and, and, and you would have liked to have done more for other people uh, for Christmas this year. That's, that's not greed. That's not covetousness. That's a godly desire that he, that he put in you to grow and to develop and to expand and to reach and to, you know, what's the old Star Trek thing? To go where no one's ever gone before. But see, even that, even that um, opening uh, monologue to a, a, a television series, it strikes a chord somewhere deep inside of us to go where, where no one's gone before. To, because again, we are called by God uh, with an upward call, with an upward call. So let's, let's go back then to, to inheritance. We now are heirs of God. The cross qualified you to be an heir of God and a co-heir, joint heir with Jesus. And, and we see that Jesus is the heir of all things. And because Jesus is the heir of all things, and you are a co-heir with him, that means you also are an inheritor of all things. Now, many years ago, the Lord spoke to us that the name this family of faith would, would come under would be Heritage, Heritage Christian Center. And your heritage is what belongs to you because of who you are. One more time, your heritage is what belongs to you because of who you are. So in the scriptures, when, when 
we, we see this, uh, this talk about us inheriting. When he talks about inheriting the kingdom of God, inheriting the kingdom of God. You see, because we don't understand what it means to inherit something, we think inheriting the kingdom of God means going to heaven one day when you die. Inherit means, are you ready? You might want to write this down. Inherit means to take possession of what belongs to you. To inherit it means to actually take possession of it. So when God called them to go inherit the promised land, we're talking about the generation that's finally going to take possession of what's belonged to every descendant of Abraham that came before them, but now it's their time to go actually take possession of it. See, we, 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 think, we think, well, God will give it to me, you know. No, no, no. See, he already gave it to them. Inheritance isn't about you being given something. See, I'm, when, you, when you inherit something, you receive freely what somebody else, naturally speaking, let's talk about being a natural heir, okay? If, if you inherit something from uh, your, your parents, okay, that means you receive freely what they spent their whole life accumulating, you receive for free what they invested their whole life in to provide. So as the New Testament, right? We talk about the Old Testament, the New Testament, last will and testament, right? The New Testament is spelling out what you have received as an heir of God and a co-heir with Jesus. Not what you will receive, not what you will be given, what you have already been given, what you have already been blessed with. He has given to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. So it's one thing for him to give you those things, but it's another thing for you to actually inherit them. Inheriting them means you actually take possession of what he's given you. Are you seeing this? That's why in the scriptures, Jesus made it very clear to us. For, for example, healing, healing for your physical body. What did Jesus say about it? He said, it's the children's bread. It's the children's bread. It belongs to the children of God. Amen. By his stripes we were healed, not are going to be healed one day. By his stripes we were healed. I am an heir of healing because I am an heir of the healer, the great physician. I, the God who healeth, right, is my daddy, is my Abba. Amen. And, I, and his healing is my bread. Are you seeing this, right? So we're not trying to get God to heal us. We're just simply letting him show us how to take possession of what's ours, of what belongs to us. Okay? Now, we mentioned on last Sunday that 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that all of their odyssey, odyssey means a long and eventful journey, the entire odyssey of the, of the Jewish people, the, 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 the nation of Israel, the Hebrew people, you know, from Abraham all the way uh, to Jesus. And I'm not, you know, what happens after Jesus and on in through the book of Revelation is important. But, you know, what we basically, let's say it this way, what we basically see in the Old Testament, that these things were recorded for us to serve as an example for us to learn from. So, for instance, if you're here this morning and you're interested in taking possession, inheriting, right, 
taking possession, again, freely, what Jesus paid such a high price, cost Jesus everything for you to receive it freely. If you're interested in inheriting, taking possession of what belongs to you as an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus, there are lessons we can learn about that from those who have come before us. We can learn from their successes and we can learn from their failures. This is one of the reasons why the Bible doesn't hide um, from us the failures of its heroes. Because they, those things were recorded not to shame the people who made the mistakes. Not to put their, you know, what we say, air their dirty laundry. That's not why these things are there. Not, you know, when, when Aaron, uh, who was a good man, did a great thing for God, Right. But, you know, when he, in a moment of, of panic, I believe he was afraid for his life when he made that golden calf. Because you got, you know, conservative estimates, you know, three million people, right? This isn't, this isn't like, you know, a couple of folks, you know, in a 15-passenger van. This, this is a huge multitude of people. And Moses is up on the mountain with God and, and the fire and the smoke, and they're like, man, God's done killed him. We, you know, we, we want to go back to Egypt. And, and if you don't take us, we'll get us a leader who will. And we want you to make gods to go before us. And, and, and you know, so Aaron caved to the pressure and he takes the gold and he makes. Again, that's, that's not to belittle him or shame him. He, read a, he did a lot of good things too. But again, these things are recorded so that we can learn from where they got it right and we can also learn from where they got it wrong so that we don't make those same mistakes ourselves. Are you seeing this? So God brings them out of Egypt. Interesting that God says he's going to bring them by the way of the Red Sea. Man, the Lord, the Holy Spirit really breathed on that in my heart this past week. I'm going to bring them by the way of the Red Sea. Well, (laughs) You know, you're like, that's that's not the best way to go. I mean, that sea, right? I mean, but if, but of course, God's bringing them by the way of the Red Sea because He's not going to bring them around it. He's going to bring them through it. See, He brought them out so He could bring them in. But before He can bring them in, He's got to walk them through some things. This isn't, again, I, I feel so compelled to say this every time we mention this because you hear so many um, outrageous, exaggerated, uh, incorrect sermons about the wilderness experience, you know. Man, God didn't mean for this to be some, you know, 40-year drudgery in misery, you know what I'm saying? This was supposed to be like a camp out. This is, you know, I'm, you know anybody remember when you, I, I, I enjoyed it more when I was younger than I did when I'm, when I'm older. Mom and Dad, I guess I understand now why y'all didn't enjoy the camping as much as I did when I was a kid, right? So, um, but, you know, this was going to be, uh, you know, 11 days of supernatural experience to teach those men and women to trust God. This is coming soon to a sermon near you. But notice, the first place he wanted them to, to learn to trust him was his intentions was in his intentions for them. And the second one was he wanted them to learn to trust him for provision. Okay? And those are the first two um, stages of learning to trust God for us today. You'll never trust God till you learn to trust his intentions for you, that he only wants good for you. He only wants good for you. 
Are you hearing me? He, he only wants good for you. But what they say? Weren't enough graves to bury us in Egypt. So he brought us out here to kill us. See, they didn't, learn to t- they didn't learn to trust his intentions. And then he's trying to teach them to trust his provisions. You know, he's, he's their provider. They griped and complained and just get enough for today. There'll be more tomorrow. They hoarded it. You never know what God's going to do. You know, again, see, never, they never learned to trust him. And he couldn't take them where he wanted them to be unless they learned to trust him. Are you seeing this? So all of this is recorded to serve as examples for us to learn from so that we can inherit. What does it mean again? It means take possession of what belongs to us, what's already yours. What's already yours. What God's already given you. You say, well, I don't understand that. If he's already given it to me, why, why am I not enjoying it, right? Because it comes from the realm of the Spirit through you, out of you, right? So let's go back to it. He's going to bring them to the promised land, and they're going to go by the way of the Red Sea. Because God's not going to bring them around it. He's going to walk them through it. You know, the Bible says that that was when those people were baptized with the baptism of Moses? See, we think of baptism as what happens up here in this tank. And certainly that, that's important. I'm not, I'm not making light of that. But what baptism actually means is an experience that forever marks you. It, it's, it's, in other words, when, when a man or woman is born again, they're buried with Christ. They're raised up together with him in the newness of life. And so we do that in water outwardly to testify and and say to those present that um, I've inwardly I've been buried with Christ and I've been raised up with him to newness of life and so he's going to bring them through he's going to walk them through on dry ground think think about that think about that how many how many thousands of years that that ground's been you know, underwater, and yet they walked across on dry ground. See, the, but then that's, that's not where it ended, right? They're on the other side. Brother Keith Moore preaches an amazing sermon about this, right? He's talking about going, when God speaks to you, go with the word that he gives you, right? So he told them to go through, but now you got the armies of Pharaoh, <laughs> God did not tell them to go, but they went anyway. So not only did they have the experience of walking through the Red Sea, they then had the experience of watching God deal with the enemies that had tortured and tormented and enslaved them. I, um, I, I say it this way, and it's a little bit uh, uh, graphic, okay? But I tell folks that struggle with addiction, I, I said, I want you to see two hands with holes in it, taking heroin by the throat and drowning it in the blood of Jesus. 
because that's what that's what Jesus did to these things, right? And that's what so so remember the word of the Lord on that day was these folks will never bother you again. It's over. It's time to move on, right? It's over. I've dealt with it. I didn't just bring you out. When they came after you to try to drag you back, I took care of them for you. Okay? You do know that Father's taking care of some things for you, right? You do know that he's dealt with some things that you didn't have the ability to deal with. He's handled some things that you didn't have the ability to handle on your own. See, we, we look at what God did, and, and, and I haven't even got to the text this morning, but that's okay. Deuteronomy, he says, I brought him out with a, with a, with a mighty hand, right? And severe. I dealt with them severely. You realize that was covenant, right? What was the covenant that God made with Abraham? Whoever blesses you, I'll bless. But if I could give you the Mr. T international translation of that verse, I pity the fool who curses you. Right? See, I believe Egypt could have let them go and they'd be one of the world's superpowers today. They didn't let them go, they cursed them. And whoever cursed a descendant of Abraham was going to have God to deal with. And God dealt with them. Right? He turned everything back on them that, that they did to his people. Even turning the water to blood. They, they did it first with the blood of Hebrew babies. God says, are you going you to turn the water to blood? Let me show you turning water to blood. You, you follow what I'm saying, okay? So you, listen, I know that some, some days in our, you know, touchy-feely, God is good, you know, and he is good. Don't misunderstand me. We, we don't understand that, that it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And that's New Testament, right? You, you don't, you, you don't. Just trust me, you don't, right? Oliver asked Jake the other day, he's, Oliver's got a little friend in his preschool class that gets in trouble a lot, and, um, and it, it bothers Oliver. Oliver doesn't want him to get in trouble. You know? And um, so he asked Jake, he's, he calls him Dad. He's called him Dad since he was, you know, he's just two now, but anyway. <laughs> but but since, he was, since he was a baby, Dad. He says, Dad, he said, if timeout and a spanking don't fix the trouble, what's next? And Jake said, Jake said, son, you don't want to know. So he came back a little while later. He says, Dad, I, I really do. I want to know. Right? In other words, you, you, you don't want to know. Pharaoh didn't want to know, but he wound up knowing, right? But in the same way that God dealt severely with their physical enemies, he dealt even more severely, are you seeing this, with our spiritual enemies. In the Old Testament, God dealt with Pharaoh. In the New Testament, he dealt with the devils and demons that were manipulating and influencing Pharaoh. For you. For you. So he dealt with some things. He brought them through. He says, now look, it's over. They're not ever going to bother you again. They're not ever going to be a factor in your life ever again. Let's move forward. He brought them out so that he could bring them in. This has been my experience in many, many years of ministry, okay? I've seen a lot of people come to God because they want to get out of something. 
They want to get out of you know, problems and issues. They want to get out of, it's really just the fallout of, of the curse of sin. They want to get out of addiction, for an example. They want to get out of this and out of this problem and out of this trouble. And so they come to God to get out. They can be highly, highly motivated. I have watched um, over the years and had the privilege of, of, of being a servant leader uh, to thousands of men and women who have committed 12 months of their lives to um, a residential recovery program, okay? That's a pretty significant commitment if you understand what we're talking about here, okay? In other words, what are they saying? They're saying, I'll do anything to get out of this problem. Here's the issue, okay? All the thousands of folks that I've met who are willing to do whatever it takes to get out of a problem, I've met comparatively few who are willing to do whatever it takes to get in to their best life, right? See, it's one thing to get out, but the only reason God wants to bring you out is so that he can bring you in. And in order to bring you in, he's got to walk you through because he wants to teach you some things when he walks you through. So in the New Testament, him walking you through involves a yoke. Involves a yoke, right? You see, if, if you have newly entered the kingdom, you know, through the gate, and you got all these people piled up at the gate, and you're wondering, well, is this it? Is this all there is to the Christian life? If you could, if you could break through, um, what, what you would see is they're all kind of standing back looking at this thing called a yoke and not really sure if they want to take Jesus up on his offer or not. Remember, come and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you'll find rest. Come and I'll give, learn. You see how the pattern works now, right? Not... You know, come and we'll see about what we can work out. You know, we'll see how serious you are. No, no, he gives you everything when you come. But if you're ever going to take possession, if you're ever going to inherit it, amen, it's, it's, going, to, it's going to require you walking through some things with him. I'm, that's not, listen, everybody talks about, well, you know, it's all, all some bad stuff. Yeah. I made a statement, and I've had a lot of feedback from this one statement, and, and Brother Keith Moore, you know, he's, so this lady asked him, she said, well, what if I die believing God? And he said, honey, you don't want to die any other way. You know, you, you know, it's like, you know, it's like the, that's not the worst thing that could happen. Are you hearing me? You, you could die not knowing him. Are you hearing me? Amen. So, you know, we, we, we're like, oh, you know, do this and you know this god may take me here and i may not. listen wherever he's going to take you somewhere you're going to want to be i'm just telling you i don't i don't know if it was because we used to be threatened by it when we were you know growing up in church and stuff you know about being sent to africa as a missionary or whatever you know but listen if if africa as a missionary is in the cards for you that's where you're going to find your best life. You see what I'm saying? It's this idea that God's going to take you somewhere and, and you would have been happier in Egypt. Amen or oh me? Y'all still with me up in here? All right, so if I had another hour, and maybe we'll start here next week, okay? I, have I ever preached a sermon without reading a Bible verse? Let's go at Deuteronomy 6 and verse 20. I asked the Lord early this morning, I said, Father, am I teaching, am I preaching, or am I just talking today? And so I guess I figured it out right then. I'm just talking today. Amen. Are you getting anything out of this? All right. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 20. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, 
and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you. Look at me for a moment. There's a reason why we have uh, Memorial Day in our nation. There's a reason why we celebrate the 4th of July in our nation. And it's not just so we'll have another day off work. These are days that commemorate certain groups of people or certain major historical milestones in the history of, of, of this country, right? There's a reason why we celebrate Christmas. You know, I think most scholars believe Jesus was born in June, right? But anyway, what would fall on our calendar is June. But that doesn't, it's whatever day it is, it's a day that's set aside to commemorate a very important, right? And, and the whole reason that we have these days in the Old Testament is that, you know, when they would all leave their houses and go sleep in booths, the Feast of Booths, right? It was for them to teach their children about their ancestors living in tents and, and how, you follow what I'm saying? So there was always the educational um, passing down the tradition and the explanation of these things. And so that's what he's talking about here. Um, then you shall say to your son, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe, great and severe against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, as we stand before you, thank you that you're speaking to our hearts stirring something in us, Lord, that you put in us. You put in every human being, Lord, this, this desire to grow and to expand and to develop. Father, it's, uh, it's sad to me that, that we, we see um, so much of that in a small child. The wonder of life and, and the and the dreams and the goals and the aspirations to be a fireman or an astronaut or all these things, Father, that, that seem so far beyond their, their reach at that age. And yet, Lord, they, they talk about these things and dream about these things, Father. And, and then something happens to us as we get older, Lord. The world has a way of jading us against these things, Lord. Help us. Help us, Father. Understand that your cross was a qualifying experience that brought us into your kingdom. And Lord, we're not just going to be satisfied with getting in. But Lord, we're going to follow you. And we're going to walk the paths with you. Lord, learning to trust you. And taking possession of everything that belongs to us now. As your sons and daughters and as citizens. Of this wonderful, glorious, eternal kingdom. Father, we spend too much time looking back and not enough time looking forward. We focus on the familiar past. We focus on the familiar past, Lord, when you want us to focus. 
on the glorious, unknown future that you have ahead for us. Father, I believe we love to surprise our loved ones because you love to surprise us with good things. And so, Father, as we set our hearts and minds, attention, affection upon you, may we learn to trust you and honor you, Lord, in ways that are beyond what have been convenient or comfortable in the past. And I thank you, Lord, that the year ahead, Father, will be the greatest that we've ever known as individuals, as families, and as a family of faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You're loved, you're loved, you're loved. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night, if not before. Good things coming.